Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome, Talia Bambola, to That Girl, the podcast. Talia is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is a relationship coach. And today we are going to talk about high-functioning, more masculine, or women who are sort of in their more masculine, who are trying to be more in their feminine, and how Mm -hmm. we can get there. So if you're more in your feminine and you are a person who identifies as a woman or you're a woman this is probably not your podcast, but but listen anyway, because you might yeah. learn something. But if you are a hardworking, overachieving, don't have enough time for yourself and definitely have not let a relationship in, this is your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart as I identify <laughs> as one of those nice. uh, women who has uh, thankfully healed out of that anxious... I think very masculine overdrive being like a do it all, I would call it and deriving a lot of self-worth from productivity. I think it serves a purpose and it's wonderful at times. And then it kind of gets in our way when we're looking for love. And I think women who can identify with this can also identify with the frustration. Why isn't it working? Right. Especially when we want to be productive and we are productive in our work and in our business life, so to speak, Why isn't it working in a relationship? And this is something I uh, coach on a lot and teach on a lot. The same skills that are leading you to have success in your business life are not going to be those same skills that lead you to have success in your romantic life. So that is where I would like to start today. (laughs) Yes. Let's start there because that is so, so been my problem and I've really been working out of it. So, so like really laid out for people in case you're listening and you're like, no, I'm just a high achiever and I'm very happy that way. And I feel really accomplished, but I'm kind of lonely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Explain what that really looks like. Mm -hmm. So I would say starting with clearly getting the idea that masculine and feminine energy, we all have that man, woman, however people identify they're embodied qualities. And for many women, we have a stronger embodiment or a stronger connection to the masculine, or we have a stronger connection to the feminine, more of the flow, the ease, being a human being, our more feminine traits and the doing, the containment, the structure and organization happen to be more masculine traits. So when I work with women who are very high up their executives, they're more alpha as they've been described either by themselves or by somebody else they've been on a date with (laughs) (laughs) that they have a very strong embodied masculine and deep, deep down underneath, there is a feminine energy that wants to come out. And in my view, and, and 
when I've done this journey with other women and walked alongside them, they were hurt along the way being in their feminine vulnerability became unsafe for them at a certain point. And these walls, these very masculine structured walls started building brick by brick. And so by the time they reach, you know, late twenties, early thirties and beyond that wall has done a very good job of containing them and containing structure and safety and not being vulnerable, right? It's this experience of, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be unsafe. I don't want to be vulnerable because vulnerability was unsafe at a point. Here I am, I'm overproductive. I can do everything. I don't need anyone. I got me, I can take care of myself. But there's this yearning deep down in the feminine to come out and to be cared for and to receive and when we're so good at producing and giving and doing, it can be really difficult to slow down and learn to feel safe and learn to receive, especially from an external masculine, right? A man. And they come right. in and they try and give to us. And if we have no space, right? Kind of, um, I don't know if this is on video also, but being yeah, able to see, yeah, being able to see if I have this much space occupied in my masculine and this much space is going to be allowed for somebody else to step in. Yeah. A truly masculine man's going to step in and go, I can't, you don't want to let me in. And, yeah. and somebody who maybe isn't as connected is going to go, what can I give to you? Right. There's nothing I can give to you. If I walk in your life and I see that you have everything you need or that I can't give you what you've provided for yourself, I'm going to step out and not try because yeah. the masculine energy doesn't really like men, especially don't like to try they like to do. I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And women are typically different in evolutionary psychology because we're trained by babies. We'll try anything. So oh there's gosh, there's, so right. there's a different energy there that we approach our relationships from. And there's this frustration and there's confusion for the men that we try and date also in that energy. And I work with a lot of women who are like, well, he was great, but he was too in his feminine. And I said, okay, so we've reached the crossroads when are you going to start to feel safe to soften and safety for women is emotional safety. Can I lean into you? Can I trust you? Will you be there for me when I break down and the messiness of the feminine energy and we're going to cry and tantrum and freak out and Mm -hmm. have these experiences. And where is my strong masculine container to look me in the eye and go, no matter what happens, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Right. Right. Gosh. Oh, you're so great. I mean, all of that was so freaking amazing. So a couple of like little points mm-hmm. in there, um, but what you just said, I, okay. So there was someone that it was always kind of like, are we doing this? Are we not doing this romantically? Mm-hmm. Really good friends. But what I kept saying to him before I really started to understand this, this whole dynamic was, I just need to know that you've got me. Like, mm-hmm. I just need to be like, yeah, honey, I got you. Like, I got us. Like, don't worry. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I could do most everything, but then I just get really tired and I just need someone to be like, I got you. And I don't know what that means. And that's what what I meant is what you just described is I want to know that I don't have to take care of everything, that I have a true partner who Mm -hmm. I can allow them to take care of other things. Because that's the problem too, is that we want to control everything for safety's sake, right? That's the Mm -hmm. high functioning codependent Mm -hmm. in us all. And we really, and women typically, like you said, we'll, we'll try anything. And so we will do everything overkill and a man. And that's why so many men, I think will sit on the couch and be like, honey, but you, you do it so much better. Like, why did, Mm -hmm. do you want me to do 
whatever stupid chore you want me to do. And they're not being, I mean, sometimes they're being assholes, but like most of the time they're like, no, I mean, you do actually do that better. Like, I don't know what I do well in this relationship or in this household or what my role is anymore. Cause you do everything. So I guess I'll just be lazy and sit here. Mm. And then that can lead to really, really, really bad stuff in a relationship. Yes. And I think those thought processes either are learned helplessness, which mm. is really detrimental even in a family dynamic it's not only in a relational romantic dynamic well you do it so much better than I do sometimes it is learned helplessness and sometimes it is truly a cover for you over function so much in this relationship and when I've tried and I'm speaking as the man in this case when I've tried to do these things for you or provide for you which is one of men's core drives and needs in a relationship is to procreate protect provide in that order I can't I can't provide for you yeah. And so what am I supposed to do? And they're not going to try. So they're just going to be more feminine, right? If you're going to come in all hot and heavy in the masculine, what is what purpose would it serve for me to make an attempt and be shut down, be shunned, be told that I don't do it properly, be told that you're going to do it after me anyway, because I'm incompetent. Women would not want to be told those things. So why do we think it's okay to tell men those things? And this is, again, that evolutionary psychology and the difference we often have this connection that we compare men to being women, right? Mm -hmm. They're so fill in the blank compared to who they're so lazy compared to me, the perfect archetype for a woman. Right. And it's very subconscious, but it does become conscious and that's when it becomes contemptuous. And that's one of the key indicators that a relationship will not survive if at all, but for very long is if we have that contempt, it's like being critical and adding it. I would never do that. This like superiority complex. And that's not something that's sexy to men. They don't want to be in the masculine energy, the penetrative energy or the giving energy in that sense. And nor would we want to receive because we're going to fight it. Some part of it doesn't feel safe. I have fear so intense that it causes me to have this need for control and being hyper controlling and having everything just so, which is really an illusion. But even if I am under the auspices that that's what's happening, I'm not going to break that control for anyone until they prove it. And that's why also, in my view, women like to test men because when we communicate with other women, it's very passive, very subversive. Like uh, I give the example, a lot of that scene in Mean Girls where they're having the discussion and she's like, oh my gosh, that's such a cute skirt. Fully believable. Walks away and then tells Caddy, Katie, the other girl, oh, that's the ugliest skirt I've ever seen. Yeah. And then men are like, why can't you just be more direct? Right. And it's like, oh honey, that's not how, (laughs) that's not how feminine, especially the wounded feminine communicates. Read my mind. I need to know that you're going to read my mind because that's how I've been trained and socialized to communicate. And that's when I know that you really love me if I don't even have to ask. And that's the other part about communication and balancing that masculine and feminine. I need to know that I'm safe enough with you to not be shut down when I go vulnerable and I ask, hey, I would feel appreciated or I would be able to soften and step into the feminine more if you could plan a date and just tell me when and where, right? And I don't think men even realize just getting a text of like, I'll pick you up at seven on Friday. I'm just like, oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? It just immediately puts us in our feminine and it doesn't mean put down, but it creates this new polarity that it's like, okay, here's the dynamic. And you can even see how women walk 
differently when they're in their feminine versus right. their purpose-driven masculine, right? If I'm walking into the gym, I'm, I'm, I'm right there, right? I'm, yeah. in my, I'm focused, I'm laser focused. Yeah. But when I'm after and I've, I've moved my body and I've gotten my somatic practice for the day, my hips are flowing, my shoulders are flowing. I'm a lot more embodied in my feminine. And I think right. that's where women can really learn to soften. You don't have to wait or have a partner to help you with this. Of course, totally. it's helpful. This is something that you can work with a mentor on and unlearn a lot of the patterns that have been modeled for you while relearning more embodied feminine practice while relearning or learning, I guess, for the first time really is what it would be. What attracted you to your business and how you show up in your business is not going to be what's going to be attractive to a man. They'll respect it. They will respect the hell out of it, but that doesn't mean they're going to be turned on by that. Some are, of course, but most are, I would like to be the provider. And it's, that's so interesting. Cause like growing up and well into my twenties and probably early thirties, I was just like, that was my mentality is like, look how accomplished I am. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to be with me? And okay. I was completely coming from my masculine to a masculine man who was like, I mean, that's awesome. Like, I don't need you to prove, I, I already knew what you did. I don't, okay, thank you. And it was just so, it was so hard because I would be competitive with masculine men. I would never feel safe. I would always want, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this just in general for people who are like listening to be like, oh, right, me too. But like, you are so competitive. Um, let's talk about the healthy feminine and what that looks like. And then I want to talk about what the wounded feminine looks like too, because we've touched mm-hmm. on kind of both of these. Mm-hmm. So what does the healthy feminine look like for people who are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So I think to start being in a more healthy feminine energy is feeling grounded, feeling safe, feeling open, receptive, more in our flow and truly being Mm -hmm. a human being going with what feels it's very embodied in the feeling. What is the truth? what is the truth in what I'm going through rather than going right to logic. It's a lot more, I I believe in kind of our body, our somatic experience in our heart. And it requires a lot of vulnerability. It doesn't mean we have no boundaries, no standards, no expectations, quite the opposite. I can be assertive if I'm in a healthy feminine energy and be protective of myself, but not out of, I could do it better than you right? That's, that's more of like a wounded masculine, almost masculine energy coming out. Well, I could be a better boyfriend or husband than you. Probably not the sexiest thing to say, (laughs) not going to motivate them the same way it would motivate us. Because as women in our feminine, if we were shamed growing up at all, at any point during that, we learned to link that with, okay, truly being feminine either means I'm going to get taken advantage of or shamed for it, being too emotional, being too dramatic, being too intense, wall up, wall up, wall up till I'm this tiny person. So I think like on a continuum, being in our feminine is being, you know, passionate, being creative, being empathetic, but not so much so that we're bordering on codependency. And when we are in that unhealthy feminine energy of, you know, I'll just, I'll give to anybody, right? There's no boundaries on my giving. It's, more likely to link to somebody who has more of the narcissistic traits because there isn't relationship energetic continuum. It's like a plus five to minus five. And so if I'm on the minus five, I'm not integrated at all. I'm very codependent. I'm much more likely to link with somebody 
who's a narcissist because it's the perfect magnetism. I need you to need me because I don't want to be abandoned. I need somebody to need me because I need to feel important. That's not going anywhere. That's a very toxic link. So I would, I would say to pause there to really go through with the femininity. It's a lot. It's what you would think of like a classic archetype of a woman who's very healthy and integrated, like kind of like a kindergarten teacher, somebody who's playful and fun and exciting and, you know, very kind, not meek necessarily, but very feminine. You want to be around her. There's a, there's a, like a delicacy to her energy. Got it. Got it. Um, And like, you know, I know what you're talking about, but like Mm -hmm. when we talk about like being in flow and like all of that, like that is so important to your intuition and women Mm -hmm. have such incredible intuition. And so many of us just block it because Mm of over masculine traits and all of that. And it's just like, that is what makes you so inherently feminine and receptive to everyone who comes in contact with you. Yes. And that's when you do meet those, like, like a kindergarten teacher who you're like, oh, you're so sweet and loving. And I feel so safe around you. Mm-hmm. They're just like so in flow with their intuition and yes. they know who's good and they know who's bad. And maybe like you're bad. So she won't talk to you. And you're like, what? You know, like they know mm-hmm. and you can feel it too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the wounded feminine, which Mm -hmm. you referenced Mean Girls, which is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) The wounded feminine is out and about. I feel like a lot of toxic positivity comes from a wounded feminine place. So let's kind of touch on what that looks like. Yeah. So much to the opposite of those playful, empathetic, warm, caring, vulnerable, but boundaried is how I would describe like an empowered feminine energy and more of the wounded or disempowered feminine energy would look like overly apologizing, low self-worth, self-esteem, lack of uh, positive self-concept in the therapeutic terms. We're not having good boundaries at all. We're not standing up for ourselves in conversations. We can come off as very manipulative. And I think people pleasing at its core is a manipulative behavior. It doesn't mean it's, you know, this nefarious evil plan, but it is a manipulation of how you want other people to view you. Mm -hmm. And there's this naivete, but not the playful kindergarten teacher naivete. It's more, I could be taken advantage of being naive. A lot of shame and guilt is experienced and a lot of being overly apologetic and overly emotional. Those would be the traits of the disempowered or kind of an unhealthy, unintegrated wounded feminine. Right. And where do you see this happening? I want to say social media too, but where do you see this happening a lot in, or if it's in a relationship, what can that kind of look like too? This looks like women who are women who have had their feminine energy wounded show up as the disempowered masculine energy, which is overdoing, overthinking, over controlling, being aggressive, not assertive, uh, sometimes being cold. Like I, when I was very avoided and my, very in my wounded feminine, I was called the ice queen. <laughs> Cause I was just like <laughs> no feelings, very ruthless, very much. So adopted what I imagined men before I really healed my view of men what I imagine them to be. It's like, screw it. I'm just going to show up as this. If they get to do this, why can't I? More yeah. more competitive, more yeah. kind of like a superiority, inferiority complex. So I, I see a lot of women who have been wounded in their feminine energy attempt to show up in their masculine as an overcorrection, but truly they're showing up as the disempowered, unhealthy, unintegrated, wounded masculine energy. And the opposite of that would be 
it's okay to do and be action-oriented and purpose-focused, but there's a confidence about them. It's not an overdoing because of trying to fill a wound of low self-worth. They can be very focused, very ambitious, and very they're dependable because they do what they say and they say what they do. So when we're not properly integrated, either myself as a woman, if I don't have a good balance of healthy, embodied masculine and feminine energy, and the partner I'm with who is a man does not have a healthy embodiment of masculine and feminine energy, the polarity is all off. It's very wonky and leads to a lot of conflict and a lot of fighting, honestly, in couple relationships and even in individuals trying to date because there's a lot of shame of the other and judgment and projection onto the other person of this idealized dream lover, if you will. We all have these archetypes we view people as, well, he's not this. He's not this king, great father complex or great father archetype who can do no wrong, who knows exactly. And we often compare that to if we had a positive relationship uh, with our fathers or we had a healthy relationship with masculine energy growing up, you're basing it often off of somebody who's known you 20, 30, 40 years, if you, again, have a healthy relationship with your dad, it takes 20 to 30 to 40 years for somebody to be able to read your mind. You can't expect somebody who's known you that long and somebody you've been dating six months, even to a year, they're not even comparable levels. So that's where I look at it, doing more psychoanalysis and psychodynamic work as a therapist. What are these childhood patterns that you're operating on? What are these dream lovers that you're projecting onto the other person you're dating? And can you bring those down and know when they're coming up, know when you're getting caught in that projective identification and instead go, who is the person in front of me? Mm. Who am I actually relating to? Not who am I comparing them to? That's so important to think about too, because whether we had, you know, our father as like the example, Mm -hmm. or like I was told a lot growing up, a certain type of person I was supposed to be with. Mm -hmm. And I really tried to kind of rebel against that, but deep down it, it would always come up. So like, there is a part of me that's programmed to like go for this specific type of person. Mm -hmm. But when I'm with that person, I'm never very happy, like at all. So it's basically what you're talking about, whether you saw it in real life or you were told it, you know, when that comes up, how do people handle that? Like, how do you, (laughs) how do you do that? Uh, How do they handle it? Yeah. (laughs) It's just total. All of us are the same friends. Typically before mentorship, people handle it, I say the best way they can and the best way they intuitively know how to. So there is not a shame and judgment, even if it isn't the behavior they're going to end up handling it like. So in the beginning, it's much more, let me try and seek control at the cost of driving someone away, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It's either the, well, I'm not going to be abandoned, so I'm going to abandon you first and I'm going to see this one coming or... I fight and I try and stay in a relationship far too long with somebody who is truly not the right fit. And instead of, I will be with this person long enough to recognize they're a fit or they're not. And I need to then again, healthy masculine. It's not trying, it's do or do not. This is not going to work. And I love our time together. And I've honored that we've been able to interact for this long. And I'm not feeling what I need to be feeling for this to continue rather than sit there and try and cajole and fix this person into being this dream lover archetype that you have. And it's, it's, it's a loss and it's very vulnerable and it does take us to some dark places. All the more reason why I love working with people, having that mentorship, you can fall apart in my container. I will be there, right? There's, there is no, there's no brokenness. It's not feeling like, Oh, I need fixing. I'm so broken. It's, 
I'm going through some stuff and I'm completely deconstructing who I thought I was and reconstructing into the person I meant to be. Why would we want to go through that alone? Right. Why would we want to suffer and be wounded and have nobody there to help us and look at us and go, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's try and make this better for you internally. So then you can show up more positively in your relationship rather than fixing and being with people who a lot of the women I've worked with feel like, how do they word it? Why do I not feel good enough for somebody who I know I, I know I'm better than? Ooh. And, Ooh. and yeah. Oh, that's so painful yeah. to hear. Oh gosh. Oh, ex- oh go on. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> and they have they're very, again, very high functioning. They are overdoers. They're really, they're trying to prove to themselves I don't need someone because deep down I have the fear that anybody I get close to will leave me. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not approaching, when you're approaching relationships that you can give within reason and within your boundaries and your standards and fully embody the experience you're having, truly showing up as your authentic self. And if the other person can't handle them, right, or doesn't like them for that version of them, okay, what is the next step? Is it to try and convince that person to see you positively when really you need to convince yourself to see yourself positively? (laughs) Or is it take the break and go, yeah, I still need to do some inner work. Let me do some solo time before I then go into my next relationship fully embodied in my authentic self. And that's where the deeper part comes of the shadow work. I do a lot of shadow work with my clients. We got to go in and you're going to meet some parts of yourself you will not like along the way, but you need to be compassionate towards them because they got you to where you are today. And I usually say like sitting in my office or on Zoom Mm -hmm. and we're going to do the work. There's no amount of messiness that you're going to reach that is not going to be able to be loved by you. Mm, That's so beautiful. And it's, it's so beautiful to, you know, and I think we're always working on ourselves, you know, it's just a continuous forever Mm -hmm. kind of thing. You don't just like figure it all out. You're like, cool. I did all my shadow work and now I'm great. Like, yes, it just continues and just continues, Mm -hmm. but you do get to a place where you can recognize like, oh, this is an archetype coming up for me, or this is a person that isn't a right Mm -hmm. fit for me. Like Mm -hmm. it literally is like a past like, and I love how this happens too, where like people not from your past necessarily always, but archetypes will come back around and be like, Hey, did you get me this last time? Did we, did you, did you fix mm-hmm. it? You got mm-hmm. past this. Right? Okay, cool. Okay. Bye-bye. And yes. they just keep moving. You're like, Oh good. Good for me. I'm so happy, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and it's great. And it just can, it well, like convinces you, but it also like gives yourself that trust that I can trust myself. And I, mm-hmm think that somatic work with your body is so important. That's one of the biggest things I've worked on is mm-hmm. my body is, oh my God, it is so spot on. It knows immediately. Yes. It can tell you in a text mm-hmm. if that person is not okay. Like immediately. And women, again, for as intuitive as we are, like, oh my gosh, our bodies are so attuned to what's going on if we would listen and not be yes. like, Oh, my stomach kind of hurts. No, no, it's butterflies. No, you're scared. Something's wrong. Go, go, mm-hmm. leave. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. leave. You don't need to know why. And I, I speak about that a lot. Like you don't need to know why all the time. You just mm-hmm. need to know this is what my reptilian bo- brain is telling yes. me and I got to go. Yes, so, time to get yeah. out. <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. And like, that's that's the beautiful part when you do do a lot of this work is that you do trust yourself more and- well, I mean, it does make the chances a little bit slimmer of meeting the right person, but that's mm-hmm. a good thing because if you are coming from a place of avoidance and being scared and needing safety, mm-hmm. at least you've done your work that you're like, well, I know exactly 
parts of what I need. And as I meet people, I will feel that out quickly mm-hmm. and I'll either get a yes or a no. And, you know, someone said this and maybe it was, I actually don't remember, but it's been with me a lot recently. I keep thinking that, you know, relationships are the most incredible mirrors to ourselves. Like so true. we can do so much work on our own and that is so, so, so good and so important. But man, it's like, that's the, that's the studying. Here's the test. Here's a, here's a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go see what happens, you know, <laughs> like, yes, yes. It's a, it's a, something that I think we have to go through relationally and have some quiet time to ourselves and connect to ourselves. And that is where the somatic work comes in and being more in tuned with your intuition and listening to it. And that's where you regain self-trust, which I believe that is a foundation for being able to trust other people. Because if I'm so disconnected from myself and I can't trust myself, I can't really reasonably expect to trust another person or to lean into them. Yeah. Especially when I'm trying to tamp down codependent traits because the (laughs) other side of the pendulum is I'm just going to throw all my trust into this person delusionally and expect them to come in and save me and fix everything you got to have some sort of balance, right? What is my intuition telling me? Where is my self-trust level? Can I step into this knowing I do have my own back and I don't need to prove that to this guy. I don't need to prove that to anyone. It's more of a quiet, grounded, very solid, like great mother energy. And that's where you can have the standards and the boundaries be respected because if somebody steps over it, you can lovingly say, that's not going to work for me in this relationship. That doesn't make me feel safe. Safe for me feels like fill in the blank and you repeat the boundary. And if they violate it another time, they're not the match for you. Right. And that's scary, guys. Boundaries are hard. Boundaries are scary. A lot of people just don't want to say them out loud. (laughs) They they just Mm -hmm. want them to sort of work. (laughs) Yes. You have to, you have to say things out loud and you have to tell people, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to really stick your, stick to your guns with your boundaries. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, that's, that's that there's no yes. more boundary there. <laughs> no. And that's where a lot of people come in to do the work with me is like, so let's learn how to set a boundary. So it feels good for you as the person setting it and how to continually enforce them. There's a lot of talk in pop psychology. Let's set boundaries. Great. (laughs) We're missing like 75 to 95% of it, which is enforcing and dealing with the emotional aftermath. And what is the most important outcome of that boundary? Is it to maintain the relationship, have self-respect, or have a certain objective or goal met? You can balance all at the same time, but knowing which one to push the majority gas pedal on is Mm -hmm. something I help my clients discern. And that's a skill they can take with them for the rest of their life. It's not only what, who they're coming in to work with or work on rather it's let's set you up for this being the new way that you show up with everybody continually from here on out. Right. And also what's lovely too, is that, you know, the more boundaries you, you know, get really comfortable with and the ones that you have and you, you utilize, you know, not everyone's always going to be like happy about it, but there are some people who will recognize it and respect you back. And man, that feels so good. It feels so empowering. And that's just feeding your divine feminine and your, your femininity Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. even so much more. Cause like when I think about being in your feminine too, it's a very empowered feeling of like, I'm good, not Mm -hmm. in a like defensive way, just a, I'm good. (laughs) And that's how I feel about things, you know? So uh, I love this. Is there anything else that you would like to drop wisdom on in this, in this category? Um, Anything else we can, we can keep going. I really, I'm just loving this. (laughs) 
yeah, I would say the most important quality when people are taking a look at themselves and looking at their life and thinking, hmm, something's got to give, this isn't quite working out the way I would like it to, is really being clear the change starts from within. We can't fix other people. We can't change other people. They have to want to change. They have to see the merit in changing and they have to see how the path to change is going to look like, some semblance of it, before they can have a reasonable buy-in to want to change. And sometimes we are so good at seeing that for other people and not very good at seeing it for ourselves or we're good at seeing it for both people. However, it's easier to fix somebody else or focus on somebody else's problems than our own. We have a different objective lens to look through. So being able to take a look and go, okay, what, what is it that I think needs fixing? What is it that I think needs changing? And could this be a reasonable request if I bring it to somebody's attention, right? Because sometimes we can be the conduit for somebody to realize, hey, have you ever considered fill in the blank? And they go, you know what? Yeah, actually I have. Thanks for the reminder. And they go change whatever it is or modify it. And sometimes they're like, what are you talking about? And based on their answer and what stage of change that they're at, if they're fully in pre-contemplation, meaning they have no awareness, also known as denial of what the pattern might be, they're not going to see it. They're not going to see the merit or, or desire to change it. It doesn't exist for them in their psyche yet. And there's a lot of times where there is this defensive structure around those thoughts and feelings we have about ourselves. I don't want it, anything to be wrong with me. Yet what does negative self-talk tell us to do? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And women especially do this first. We go inward and then we we do like the self-analysis. Of, okay, nothing's wrong with me. What's wrong with them? And we put it <laughs> on to the guy and that's where the contempt, the criticism yeah. and the blaming comes up. Well, they're an idiot. They're stupid. They're incompetent. They're lazy. Um, why don't they know me? Why can't they just get it? They don't have the same brain chemistry that you do. They, they really do not. And how beautiful is it to know those differences and learn about those differences and honor them, honor yourself first and honor your partner. They're their own separate self. And there's a necessity for the, it's like a Japanese concept called separation of tasks. It's Adlerian psychology based. Also, what is my task and what is the other person's task? Parent-child interactions with doing homework is a great example. Well, they just need to get an A and this and this and that. That's not your job. But it I understand that children can feel like a self-extension and that's not your task to do. Mm. And then separating that. So there's, again, that energetic space for this, in this example, this kid or teen to breathe, to actually do their homework and feel productive and validate themselves versus I'm only going to do this to avoid punishment by my parents. We're not very motivated if we're just going to get to zero. Mm. If all I'm doing this for is to avoid punishment, if I'm take, doing, taking out the trash or washing your car or whatever is to avoid you scolding me for not doing it, I'm not going to be motivated to do it versus if I do this out of the goodness of my heart or you ask kindly and I can grant the request and I have room in my space and my body for a yes, and then I'm appreciated for it, I'm going to get that 10 times over, right? My partner brings me home flowers. I'm not going to go, ew, I hate roses. I'm never getting flowers again versus thank you so much. That was so thoughtful of you to bring flowers. A few hours later, you know, next time if you ever like give me flowers again, I would love tulips and just walk away, right? You're still being appreciative. And if it's okay that they still get your roses, it's okay that they still get your roses, right? Stop thinking that your way is the only way that other people are allowed to live their lives because even that is a sense of control. (laughs) But I don't think a lot of women realize just how controlling we try to be out of I need to feel safe. You can't control other people into you feeling safe. Right. 
Exactly. This is huge. This is such a huge part of over-functioning with women who again are in their, their <laughs> wounded masculine mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're just like sitting in there and they're just like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I mean, and it can last your whole life guys. Like we all, we all know what she's talking about. We all know who that is. We all know we can do that. Yes. Um, it's one of the biggest things I'm working on in my life right now is mm-hmm. that, and it's such a freeing exercise to just give information and be like, cool, you can take it or not. And I'm not given everything. I'm not going above and beyond because quite honestly, like, because I've lived so much of my life in like a wounded masculine or wounded Mm -hmm. feminine really Mm -hmm. um, place with an overly masculine sort of energy is because I just felt like, oh, well, I can do everything and I will do everything for everyone else as well. Like I have extreme amounts of energy, which is funny because I don't, (laughs) I really don't you guys. Um, but recently I've really been like just moving backwards. And and what you just talked about with the parent thing is interesting because I was always a really good student, but I feel that that dynamic happened where it's like, you have to be great. And I remember as a child growing up thinking, oh, I'm going to have to be a really strict parent as well Mm -hmm. so that my kids will do exactly what they want them to do and be who they want them to be growing up. And I knew that wasn't right, but I was like, but I don't know how else to be. And it's so, you know, obviously I realized like, that's not okay. But it's regardless if you're a parent or not, if you're trying to control anyone or make anyone do anything you want, you're still being that controlling parent. You're being that, that wounded feminine mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's contr- really not helping. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's controlling out of fear. It's controlling out of disappointment in many ways. If you don't become who I want you to be, then I'm let down that I don't get to have control. I'm let down that you won't exist the way that i projected you to be, especially with, if it's our own kids, we have this life plan, especially as women, they grow inside of us for damn near 10 months. And you have this experience while raising them, they're a mirror for all of your healed and unhealed work that you have done and have yet to do. And if you're not properly regulating or have support systems in place to help you when those buttons get pushed, and they will, how is that going to show up? And what are you modeling for those young minds if you're still in a wounded energy. And I'm a big proponent of women and men doing the work on themselves prior to, if possible, or as soon as they realize they need to do the work or they benefit from it rather, how can you get in as quickly as you can to start healing some of those wounds? So you're not going, you're not vacillating between I'm ashamed of myself and I'm proud of myself. You're not vacillating between I need to do everything for everybody yet. I have no energy left for myself to even do these things. And I'm doing things for people without them even having to ask. And then I get resentful. And why aren't I even being appreciative? And I'm doing, and especially with the parent-child dynamic, that does come up a lot in the women I work with, with their male partners, right? There's this victim oh, yeah. child <laughs> archetype as the man. Yep. And he may or may not be this at all, which from what I've seen, mostly is not. It's existing in her head. <laughs> and there's this terrible mother or terrible father, terrible parent archetype, really more in like Jungian psychology. And there's this kind of ping pong back and forth, right? I'm getting, I'm projecting this onto you. You're projecting this onto me, or I identify with some part of it. And now we're stuck in this projective identification. And it's not a real relationship. It's I'm viewing you as someone you're not, I'm treating you as somebody you aren't. And deep down, I know that that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be your mother. I want to be your partner. Right. And I don't want to be your child. I want to be your partner. 
where, where the wire is getting crossed and how can we be more effective in talking about our true needs, our true expectations, our true authentic self, and not overdoing or over-functioning on either path, right? You are you, I am me, we have proper separation of tasks, and I understand you are your own person, right? You're, you're not my, uh, in, in analysis, you're not my subjective object. I don't possess you and contain you. And then we do this though. We do, we have this delusion that somebody is kind of in our possession and then they do do something that's independent or their own thing. And we view it as misbehavior if we don't like it, or it means less time with us. And then we punish, we withhold. We're so mean to men, especially as women, you're not doing the things that I've assigned to you in my mind that you do. And I don't like that. And then I'm going to, you're going to be your own. If if I realize that you're your own person, you're your own subject about, I'm going to freak out. And I'm going to try and get you back in my control versus let's start out with we're both two separate independent selves. I don't want your independent life to stop other than dating other people. I don't want your independent life to stop because we're in a partnership. Right. I want you to go surfing. I want you to go play video games. I want you to see your, I want you to do those things that bring you joy. Mm -hmm. Who who am I to tell you that you can't do those things? Right. It doesn't work with parenting. Why would it work in a romantic relationship? It doesn't work. Well, and on both sides too, because there are men who are incredibly controlling of women. And I'm like, what are we in the fifties? Like what's going on here? Mm-hmm. I would love to just do a separate episode on that sure. because that is such an incredible topic and everybody goes through that. Like everybody goes through it. It's like your inner child and their inner child and you're like, Wah! you know, like all the projection, all the parents, mm-hmm. it's like 20 sets of parents all in one relationship. It's so much fun. So Talia, this has been amazing. Tell people how they can find you. Uh, my Instagram is my full name. So Talia Bombola. Uh, I do a weekly Q&A there if people have more questions uh, that they can ask. If, if I can answer it on there, I will. If not, I'll answer it on my podcast. And my website is the same, taliabambola.com. And I have a semi-regular podcast that I put out exclusively through Instagram on relationship help, similar topics of evolutionary psychology and depth psychology. And I also have a couple's guide podcast. I co-host with another therapist. So if people have more nuanced questions about relationship patterns that they want answered in like a long form way, we answer those on that podcast. Amazing. I have loved talking to you so much. Oh my gosh, girl. I can't wait to talk again. (laughs) I'm really excited. I would love to do another episode. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.